Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. Bye, writers. To keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick. I'm Brent. And I'm Will. (laughs) And Will has a guitar in his hand. Um, We are here to introduce an episode that came from Worldcom. But before we get to that, um, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to our new patrons on our Patreon page. So that's a great way to support the show. So thanks to everybody who's doing that. And don't forget, if you are a listener and want to help us out, do give us five stars on wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a written review. And we got one. Will? Sure. This is from Shannon Writing, left on January 4th, 2022. Fun and great for aspiring SF. Science fiction. Really enjoy the dynamic among the hosts. Inclusive, playful, and thoughtful. Some great interviews with authors as well as craft of writing episodes. Will is my favorite. Thanks, Shannon. I'm pretty sure you added the Will is my favorite part at the end. Maybe, but I needed a boost of self-confidence today, <laughs> so I just added it in. That's fine. We'll let it slide. No big deal. Okay. No big deal. Um, all right, gentlemen. So um, before we release this week's episode, again, this is another uh, road show, I guess we're calling it, from Worldcon. Um, and editing this, um, there's only a little bit of funkiness in the beginning. Um, it's kind of hard to hear Brent at some point, um, just for a little chunk of time. So stay with us. The rest of it is pretty darn good, and it's amazing listening to you guys talk. But I'm going to let you, Brent, maybe, tell me what what people have in store for or what people have to look forward to listen to on this one. Yeah, so um, I actually had the honor of speaking with uh, Maurice Broadus and Cherie Renee Thomas. Um, if you do not know them, they are two titans in the science fiction and fantasy field. They have been in this industry for a long time and have done a lot of incredible work. And it was definitely my honor and pleasure getting to speak with them. It kind of felt like that moment where... um. I felt like I was sandwiched between like I felt like Tom Holland between like Chris Evans and Robbie Downey Jr. And it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun and I definitely enjoyed the conversation that we got to have. And I gotta say, I wasn't there, but I've been listening to this editing it and um I, I you know, I've met Marie several times and I love him. I've I've never had the honor of meeting Shree, but I listening to you guys and and talking about what it means, what that Hugo means for um, marginalized writers and black writers and just kind of a look forward at what that, what this award means. It, it meant a lot to me. So I really appreciate you guys having that conversation. So, um, and you got, and, and Will and Nick, you guys were in the room. Any thoughts before we turn it over to the episode? Well, I mean, if you like emotionally raw interviews, <laughs> I don't know if we could do any better than this. Uh, there was, there were some moments. There was some moment I, I probably will listen to it one more time, uh, and that's about it because it's it's it is emotional. It is raw. I mean, like Marie said, all night my night is fire. <laughs> that was so fun, Aaron. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's I'm really really happy for everything, Brent. I'm really happy for you. Uh, you know, it, I don't know, I'm starting to tear up over here again all over. Uh, you know, if you guys haven't checked out Sheree Renee Thomas, though, or oh, talk about a Titan, you know what I mean? Like, and talk like we had some really good discussion around Octavia Butler as well. 
I don't know. Well, I'm going to turn it to you. I'm going to cry. <laughs> it was a really magical night. And it was nice to hear Brent smile again and uh, just hear the joy in his voice. And uh, Cherie and Maurice just really like being touched. And, you know, I was just there witnessing the wonderful things happening to my friend and to Faya, which completely deserved it. So I was just a witness. That's all. You also asked some incredible questions too. Yeah, that, and yeah. so I'm going to give you a little shout out on that. A couple of those questions. I'm like, what are they going to say? And the, the results were amazing. So we have links in the show notes to Sheree, um, Sheree Renee Thomas and Maurice Broaddus. Check out their work, um, support them. And um, yeah. And if nobody has anything else to say, just, I mean, I think we're going to do more specials like this when we're all doing our world tour. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Just well, saying. enjoy the episode. <laughs> just so Marshall knows, we got the infamous Maurice Broaddus here with us, Brent Lambert, Will Rousen, and yours truly, Nick Bright. But want to do another live reaction here uh, with Maurice, who's been in the industry for a while. And kind of want to open up with this question, Maurice. How's your night? My night is fire. My night is fire right now. I thought you knew. I thought you knew. Oh, I know. I I knew. I knew. But I need everyone else to know that tonight is fire. Tonight is fire. And you ain't doing nothing else but feeling nothing fire else. tonight. Nothing else. My night shut down. It is 1.30 in the morning. Shut down. And this place is crazy right and now. You know what? I ain't going to bed anytime soon. Why well, go to bed? I I uh. You want you want Look, fire. You don't right? need to go to bed. No, ain't no need. It's suddenly going to no hit need. you. Yeah, we'll hit you and you'll crash. <laughs> I got something to celebrate tonight. I got people to be with tonight. There's and a moment that needs to be recognized tonight. So I'm up. I'm up. Up. He's ready. Maurice, I can't thank you enough for always jumping on this podcast with us, supporting us. But tonight is all about our one and only Brent Lambert. And we wanted to like kind of talk to you someone who has been in the industry for a while and get some reactions from you on how things are going how things are going you don't y'all don't know how long i've been supporting fire y'all don't know because i ain't i ain't about that life i'm about that behind the scenes life i'm about the look here i see good work going on i see good work going on and i'm gonna support that work as best i can so you know look i'm gonna clear room for young folks i done had my time i've done my thing so if doors have been opened and folks are coming through, nah, they ain't even coming through. I thought I was opening doors for people coming behind me. Man, these brothers and sisters coming up behind me, they kicked open them doors. I held open a crack, they kicked the doors open. These doors mean nothing to them, and I want them doors to mean nothing to them. So I want to ask that question. You know, what is it like for you to just see them blowing through doors did you ever envision it like to actually see that younger generation just blow it down like that all right so i've been in the game a minute look here you're just gonna have to sit through this you just have to sit through this brent i don't apologize for doing this to you right when so i've been on i've been in the game a minute so when i came on the scene you could name all of us on one maybe maybe two hands maybe two hands and to come to Worldcon today look i'm looking around this room right now and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Things done changed. And that was, look here, that was the biggest mistake. Because things done changed. We, we ain't going back. 
we see what's been happening, and look here, whatever I can do to support, whatever, nah, whatever we can do to support, because mm-hmm. I didn't get here alone, Brent didn't get here alone. We stood on the shoulders of giants. The work has been done before us. We just here to continue that work. So if we can support, if we can mentor, if we can hold doors open and support one another, because it ain't about it ain't about me as an individual. It ain't about Brent as an individual. It's about what do we do as a community. How do we support each other as a community? That's what we're here for. And that ain't a lesson that we had to teach. I look at Brent like, no, huh? We didn't have to teach nothing. They came up. They knew that lesson. They knew that lesson. They lived that lesson. That's what they do. That's what fire is about. They have lived that lesson. They've absorbed that lesson. Look here. They learn and they move forward and they keep it moving forward. And that's all it's about. They keep it moving forward. I am fucking proud right now. Say it. No. No. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. So Maurice, seeing them blow through, seeing them this win this Hugo, how is that? I mean, I know it's only been a couple of hours, but how is that energizing you to keep pushing forward and to be a creator when you see them just blow these doors away? Look here. It means I got to step my game up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to step my game up. Ain't no resting on my laurels right now. So I see the people coming up behind me. It's like... I plan on, look here, I may be 50. I still got a few years left in me. You look so young. But they ain't letting me rest. They ain't letting me rest. Classes coming up behind me. I'm happy they're coming up behind me, but that means I got to step my game up. If I got to stick around, if I'm going to stay relevant at all, I got to step my game up. Look here, I know the work they're doing. I know the work they're doing. I know what's coming up behind me. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it, but I also know I got to step my game up. Mm-hmm. So, Brent, I just want you to, since you got to absorb it a little bit, because this is going to be like a continuation, I feel like, for the next month, few months, at least, to really absorb this. But what does it make you feel like to hear, Maury, someone who's really opened doors, for you to hear that? Like, are you really hearing it? Like, is it sinking in yet? It's sinking in, yeah. It's sinking in a lot. I mean... It's thinking it so much, it's hard to really kind of even talk about it. Just, I don't know. Like, me as a kid, I would never have expected this. Like, anyway, so this is not the life that a uh, ten-year-old me was expecting. Like, to be around, you know, people who are so supportive and just like just, just making me feel loved, honestly. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know. So loved by so many people in the industry. People come up to me and tell me like, "Oh, you made an impact." I'm like, "Really? Like me? You mean me? Like, nah, you can't talk about somebody else." And all, uh, you know, just just have those experiences and to yeah, I, I really don't have the words like that. It's probably like you said, it's gonna take some time before it really like overpowers me. But um, it, it's just kind of like what I was saying, though. You know, like. This is what, you know, we're a miracle. This is what we are right now. Like, existing in this space at this time is like nothing our ancestors have ever been able to do. And I don't take that for it. Like, that, that sense of 
<laughs> that answers my question. What you got, Nick? Uh, so I'm sitting across the table right now. I met Maurice in 2018 on Ryan Excuses Tour, and he changed my life. Maurice changed my life because he wrote different. Different to me at the time, because I had not read any black authors. Maurice challenges me in ways in writing that, to this day, I still think about classes and lessons he's taught me. I think about the books that he's written that I've read and like how I can't always relate, but how I can appreciate and see the things that you're doing um, in that world and helping me see things the way the world really is rather than the, the westernized white lens that I grew up with. Now I see Brent. And now, now we see Brent. Now we see Brent and, and Brent's changed my way, my life in different ways too. But Brent, like, and Brent's writing has hit another nerve and feeling for me and then taught me to learn and grow in writing in a completely different way. Um, so for Maurice, for you, question for you, and then follow up, I'll have one for you too, Brent. How do you feel the younger generation's writing has been affected by the Giants, you, Sheree Renee Thomas? How, how do you feel like you guys have influenced them to do what they've done. That's a good one. Is it? That's a good one. Is it? Hey, a, I, you want to answer first? Oh, uh, no, wait, wait. I got no, that's not your question, sir. Will just now hit me on the shoulder and said that's a good fucking question. So oh. I think I'm on one tonight. I don't I don't even know. To be honest with you. I don't even know. I because even to, even to hear my set, even in that question, you know, the Giants, and I'm like, who are you talking about? And then you go, the Giants, like you, and then Cherie Renee Thomas, and I'm like, I just got linked in the sentence with Cherie Renee Thomas. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. That, you know, like, all right, knock me on my ass, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I, so my impact, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Well, let me let me further like let's let's unpack this question a little bit. Yeah. How long have you been in the industry? I've been at I've been in this game twenty at least twenty two years. And how many books have you released in those twenty years? Not I, including short stories. Well, short stories is well over a hundred. Brand, so, I know you've read at least ten of them. Okay, there, there we go. There we go. What's that? Uh oh. Brent, 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 am I ready for this? I don't cried once. <laughs> what I would say is, just, um, people like Marie, people like Sharita, they taught me. Um, they taught me that it is okay to be black and to be loud and to, and that those things can exist with speculative fiction because you know, so many of us we get we get that fed into us at a young age that. Those things are like science fiction fans, you know, that. And then you know, I learned with people like you, and you work with you dudes, and even something that's like 
And you will find your people and your audience. And you know, without the work that y'all set down and laid the groundwork for, I don't think that people like me, you know, you know, started fire and whatnot would have even believe that the possibility of doing it. That's your way. Yeah. Yeah. Maurice, do you, did you have anything to, to respond in that manner on how you might be feeling? I know this is a little crazy. It is. But look here. I, w- I was just talking to someone the other day, and I was just saying, you know, if I was done, like if I wrote nothing else, and Usual Suspects and Pimp My Airship was the last books I left, I call it a career. Call it a career. No, I'm like, I've said what I need to say. I'll be good. But I ain't done yet. <laughs> you know you ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. But, uh, well, I don't even know how to respond to that. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. I still don't. No, just, just you ain't gotta respond. Like I always tell them is that um, the thing about impact is that you don't ever know your own impact. Do not. And you gotta just do the right thing and do the good thing anyway. And even when you don't know if it if it resonates with you. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's why this blew me away tonight because you know I got a live front center of people I guess we resonated with. Yeah. Right. I, wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that many people. Come on now. That one snuck up on me too. I was just that was just pride. I was just uh I'm just proud of you. I'm just like I, I didn't even know like I didn't have words. Well, I, I felt it. I, I wanna um ask now then there's this huge war that happened when you won the award. You gave this really powerful speech. You heard the speech, Maurice. What does that make you, Maurice, I want to ask this question for you first. What does that make you think about the possibility of the future? They they are the future. If if everything I've if anything I've written and anything I've done, any of the people I've mentored, out the work I've done. If any of that has meant anything, it's meant that other voices can come up behind me. That's the work, to clear the room for other voices to come up behind me. So if Brent's coming up behind me, doing the devastating work that not he and the fire team are doing, that's it. That, that's the le- that, if, if, if we want to talk in terms of legacy, that's legacy. And I'm good. I'm good with that. Absolutely good with that. <laughs> What about you, Brian? What about the future? What do you think the future? And the future's in good hands. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. So there's a, a group out there called the Voodoo Knots, and they're like um a younger black collective of writers. And I look at them, and I've told them before. I'm like, y'all got next. Like I see what you're doing. I um I see your how you're trying to impact the community. And um yeah, I think the thing is is like. I try not to think about it in terms of like age, I guess, or generation. Like we're all doing this work simultaneously. Like it's like I said before about um, how we approach the wars in the future. It's never just a one approach. It's all the above. Like we all have to be working from the angles that we know how best to work towards the greater good. Like it's not just about, you know, people in my generation or or people um, before me or people after me. We all have to be working at the same time and all of us. You know, uh, Fender's uh, P. Shelley Clark 
says this all the time. Um, he said it to me when I was a newer writer. It's like, you know, uh, a rising uh, tide, like, it brings all the ships up, you know? And um, that's how I see it. I, I don't even think of it as, like, passing the torch. We all just carry our torches together and keep moving forward. So, Although, I will say this. Because you and I spoke earlier earlier this week. Yep, yep. And I was like, I see you. I see you. I pulled pull you, pull you aside you did, and said, I see you. Yep. And then earlier tonight, someone came back to me and was like, hey, we heard about what you said to Brent. Yeah, yeah. And we need you to know that we see you. And that got me thinking. I was just like, a lot of us operate from this space of, man, things we wish we would have seen or fit, wish things we wish people would have said to us when we were coming up. And so I knew I was never seen coming up. And so, and I didn't even think about the fact that that's, that's impacted me so much that the importance for me saying, I have seized you. Yeah. And I see the work that you're doing. But then what I just hear a second ago, you seeing another group coming up behind you. And what'd you say to them? Yeah. I see you. And I see the work that you're doing. Yeah. And being seen is important. Yeah. Well, what you said to me was, um, it was super impactful because, you know, oh, sorry. It was um, super impactful because, um, like, what you said made me feel like I had the permission to rest. <laughs> and I haven't felt like, um, I haven't really felt lately like I've had the, now here it goes. You know, I've, <laughs> so I've been doing so much work for for so long yeah. and um yes so yeah it just feels it felt good to have you tell me like it's okay to take a break all right and um yeah it meant a lot so yeah and then, yeah i do <laughs> all right yeah we're done we're done give us a minute <laughs> out the question right all right marshall just you and Marshall, we've got five of us here tonight. Me, Will, Brent, infamous Maurice Broaddus once again, and Shri Renee Thomas. But you are first time on this podcast, so just keep writing. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Shri Renee Thomas. I'm uh, born and raised Memphian. I am the author of a fiction collection called Nine Bar Blues, Stories from the Ancient Future, which was a... 2021 <laughs> Ignite finalists. So I was very, very, very honored and proud of that. Um, I edited two um, anthologies called Dark Matter um, back in the day, and I am the editor of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. We'll get your credentials as far as like where people can find you at the end of the show. It's with your permission, we'll post it to our show links. Okay. Because we want to make sure people can find you. Uh, but huge night. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk to you about. We got Brent here. He's blushing already. I'm around greatness. I'm, right? Or part of the greatness. Because I'm looking at the, these names. And I'm like, yes. Exactly. Brent, Brent's about as red as his shirt. And Maurice's yeah. suit right now. <laughs> you fit in that suit, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. So, Sheree, we kind of been been asked to Brent all night. What, what does this mean for the community and what this means for him? And we kind of wanted to bring you, Maurice, on, like, people who are pioneers, you know, people who've 
who've done something that no one else has done, which now that's Brent. What is what does tonight mean to you and the efforts that you have put in previously? I feel like the title of the Nalo Hopkinson and Upender Mihan collection so long been dreaming. <laughs> the quote from Harriet Tubman. I feel like this is another watershed moment for our community, for all of our communities, because the thing that's so special about fire is that I guess in, in the, the other time we would have just been focused on ourselves and trying to build for the black community only, only. But they looked around and saw that everybody was suffering in this paradigm and they couldn't reinscribe the pain. And so they became a solution oriented community wide, like what we should have been all alone mm -hmm. as a part of this genre. Yeah. And having that acknowledged with one of the largest most beloved awards in the genre to acknowledge the work that this magazine has done to introduce black writers. I have been published by them. It was one of my, one of my greatest publications because I felt like it came from my community and that yeah. somebody in there fought for my work when it was edited. The story, it's a story that came out of my heart. Justina Ireland and, and, and the team made it better than I, than I thought ever could imagine it to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of it. It's been reprinted multiple times. Faya did that for me. Um, and the work that they, and that's just what they did for me. Think about the time period that they've been around. Right. All of the voices that have been strengthened and amplified in their pages. The art, the community, the kindness that they show, the support. To have this be my first world count, world count in my entire career. Because I never had a reason to go before. I'm just going to be frank. Mm. What it got to do with my actual life? That was my it, conversation. It, Why am I going to spend that money <laughs> to be up, up in that space and yeah. for them to be treating me crazy? Let's be real. But to be here for the first time and to share that stage with one of my best friends in the world, from my own writing community, Andrea Hairston. And I know that my sister had me and I had her. And we were just going to vibe. I'm just going to be honest. We prayed on them envelopes. <laughs> we didn't know who was going to win. There's so many amazing finalists. But we prayed on those envelopes. And I just said, um, let it be, let it be. We need it. And so when fire was announced, I don't know who's we supposed to be neutral. This on both of us our first time. Yeah. We were like, yeah. <laughs> it was just a celebration because I know what it means. Yeah. You have to acknowledge excellence. You have to acknowledge it. And they have done it in so many ways. I honestly felt like they should have got a second one, but that's a whole other thing. Those those <laughs> categories were packed. It was like wall-to-wall -wall excellence. You know what I mean? Really was. And but the fans delivered for you. You have been delivered. <laughs> um because of the work that you do. So that's out of my heart. I'm never going to forget this. It is it is up there with us winning the World Fantasy Award for the first Dark Matter. The second one, I couldn't go. My mom was very, very ill. It was right during the Hurricane Katrina situation as well. And it was just a difficult time. And I just wasn't in the spirit of fandom. I was in the space of realism and actual yeah, like yeah. black life and trauma and pain or what have you. Um, this is right up there as one of my most exciting moments. Witnessing that, I'm so grateful. Normally, I would have been watching on the internet, <laughs> trying to see what people had on, what outfits or whatever. 
Um, this is very special, and I think that it is well earned and deserved. I think, I mean, I, Brad, for you guys to be able to not only be nominated, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just say, I got here, it's geriatric and white as fuck out here, <laughs> and I'm, everyone I know is I'm the white author on the on the podcast here, and like I was feeling uncomfortable until I was able to link up with Will and Brent and find this community that's sitting out here right now and the community that Brent's been building up. Brent's introduced me to a lot of people just by way of being Brent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a big thing that, that Brent's doing out here and everyone keeps coming back to the community with them. But there's a phrase I wanted to ask you about. Marissa, I want to ask you about it too. Brent, obviously you're going to have to answer it as well. Uh, but when people say, I see you, or would you tell someone, I see you? What what kind of impact do you think that has? Not only when you say it, but when you hear it. Do you feel like it has on black creators? For someone to tell you, I see you, it is like, it's like a poem. It's like a distilled poem. It's like a haiku expression that I see all the things that are unspoken. I see the work, the labor that you're doing that doesn't get acknowledged. I see the intention and the heart, and the focus you're putting on the on the work that you're giving out there. They might not see it, but I see you. Don't stop. Don't stop. You're on the right path. You're doing what you're supposed to do. I, I see you. That's a, that's a verbal support. That's like the a haiku, you know, mantra. <laughs> yeah. I think of the African greetings, uh, I think it's Saobana, which is I see you, which is an acknowledgement of the person in front of you, the totality of that person, the potential of that person, because we're, we're used to being erased, frankly. I mean, much of our history is a history of erasure. Much of the, as beloved as these awards are, a lot of these awards are a history of erasure. You know, the people who weren't there, who weren't seen, who were ignored, who weren't allowed to participate. That's the history of, of these awards. We weren't let in. We weren't seen. But I see you. That's an important thing. That's a recognition of who you are as a human. That's a recognition, again, of the work that you do, of who you are. And, and again, what I like, end of the future. End of the future. Because you ain't done now. <laughs> I see you today. I will see you tomorrow. Because the work ain't done yet. But I see you. Yeah. Ooh. A, how you, how you going to leave me for the end? I got to follow up these two. Hey. <laughs> That ain't fair. Oh, <laughs> Ray, it's just it is what it is, man. Like you're up and coming, like. Uh, but you know, I, it means so much to me to know that you know. Um, that's it. Seemed like so many circumstances came together to just make this a perfect moment to have uh, Sheree and Andrea as as the host for this thing. I was like, I can't. I couldn't have asked for anything better than the moment that we had. So to know that you know that. That uproar that happened when they called our name, you know, that felt like it was I, a ripple, right? It was a ripple. It was it, a call and response yeah. out there. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt more seen in my life in yeah. that moment because it was like, you know, this 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 is work. This is um, there's so much in the background that people don't know about. So much that you know we've sacrificed. 
things we've had to put on hold, you know. Um, and and that's not to complain because, you know, we did it out of love, but uh, it just felt good to have people see us in that mm-hmm. moment. And it felt like, you know, the right people saw us too, you know. Because uh, um, I, I, I said before, you know, this was even done, um, win or lose, the right people already have seen me, and uh, mm-hmm. that was enough. The world but, saw you. Worldcon, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Streaming. That's yes. why I haven't even had the energy to go online and yeah. see it. I've just been in the present, living in the present of this moment. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be honest, though, knowing that um, knowing that I had, like, legends like these who uh, support and, you know, saw me, it made it easy to go on that stage and give the speech. Mm. You know, because it's like I had that. I had, a, I had an army behind me already, so I was good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about in your speech you talked about ancestors. <clears throat> yeah. And about how and Maurice really touched upon about, you know, he didn't he didn't get have someone say I see you. And I want to actually talk about Octavia Butler for a minute because she is someone who I don't think is actually appreciated enough by the wider audience. You know, and it's like now she's finally getting her due after she passed away. And, you know, I want to start with you, Shuri. What do you think she would think about this win? Like, how do you think, you know, like, when you think about someone who just affected not just the black community, but she's profound. Like, the things she wrote about are happening now. You know, what do you think she would think of this win and seeing them knock down these doors? I think she would be extremely proud, very supportive. I think it, it might make her think about all the time that she she worked and labored and believed in her own dream by herself for many years um, without many models at all. And to know that a publication like this is regularly supporting other writers who had the dream that she nursed in herself, right? All those years, I think it would be very significant. Um, absolutely. Um, it is so interesting that you ask about her um, Andrea and I both had the opportunity to study with her at Clarion West. We were there. Um, that was the Clarion where she decided she wanted to move to Seattle from California. She was significant. We were between Andrea, myself, and our, our late friend Alma Patterson. It was the largest number of black students they ever had since in their history. Um, and she was a student of Clarion as well. And it was just, I just feel like there's so, so much synchronicity that's happening. Um, she was very supportive of Dark Matter and very supportive of us as writers. And, and just to see that so many, um, writers are coming out of Fire and also the, the work that they're doing with FireCon, the work that they did with FireCon and also like the communities that they inspired and are continuing to inspire. I can't imagine her not being thrilled and knowing that her work and her example as a person and as a professional in the field and her eloquence, she was wonderfully eloquent, um, would, you know, I don't know even what to say. Like, you're getting me too. (laughs) You're getting me too, my fist, too meta right now. But absolutely, I think that um, Octavia Butler would be would be very, very pleased to see this. Amazing. You know? And think about it. Um, Samuel Delaney was her teacher, you know, and they were often placed on, you know, panels together because they were 
you know, the black writers at the time, even though their work was very different from each other, you know, they would put those two writers right. together. But there was that support and respect as well. So to have a community that's beyond two or four with Tanana Reeve Du and Stephen Barnes mm-hmm. and, or Jewel Gomez, to have that this larger community, I think she would just be thrilled because it's in her life. I mean, I wish... Wish yeah. she was here to see all the love that she's getting. Uh, be, I can't even imagine. What that would be like. yeah. yeah, but she did her work. So yeah, and and the Fire Magazine team is doing their work in a way that we could have only right. We right. could only have dreamed of. We did what we could do. What we it takes a different type of spirit and ability to collaborate. And a different kind of energy to be able to produce a magazine well, like this. I mean, because when regularly. I think about Octavia Butler, I mean, I think a couple of things. I think one, her prophetic voice, yes. her ability to speak truth to power, to be fearless. I think about that. And I also think about her ability to manifest. Oh, yeah. Because she manifested her career when there wasn't examples out there. Mm. And so, and so when, when I think about fire, I think about what it looks like to operate from a place of vision, right? Where there, where there are no clear roadmaps of what, what, what they're trying to do. There are, there's history in front of them. There's ancestors in front of them. You know, there are people who've role modeled different parts of it, which they've latched onto and then say, hey, you know what? From, from the vantage point where we're working from, from standing on the, the shoulders of, of, of the people who've come before us, you know, we're able to see a lot further. We're able to cast a different vision, and we're going to work to that vision. And so, so all of that, I, mean, I can't see Octavia being anything but proud, right? Uh, that is that, just hearing that. Well, why would you ask that question? <laughs> uh, I love that. Reach for her, right? Reach for her, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. And it's like you know, um, we we. When we started the magazine, you know, we saw our elders and we saw, like, you know, the work that they were doing. And we just understood, like, you know, they deserve more. They deserve more than what they've been given, especially, you know, from this industry that just can be so callous sometimes. And we wanted to do more for for those who are already here and for those who were yet to come. And um, I, I think I can confidently say we did that. So, uh, but I, I, you know, I'm always thinking about doing more. And um, mentorship, I think, is a big part of the next step for Fire and what we're thinking about, because um, we know that these other outlets aren't interested in mentoring black writers in the way that they need to be mentored, and you know, reaching out for them in the way that they need to be reached out to. So that is our next step. So my next question is going to be for you first, and then I want to go to Sheree and I want to go to Maurice. You know, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my queer black friends who have just started listening to the podcast because I've been talking about it and I've been talking a lot about Brent, one of them said to me, I, I always wanted to write, but I never saw anyone who was queer and black and embrace both parts because you're not just one or the other. And we talk a lot about intersectionality a lot on the podcast. So you won this award with Faya and everyone under there, but you know, you gave the speech and you know, how do you feel 
about being a voice for people that have never heard of it. Because now my friend, who is queer and black, was like, I actually want to start writing because I never knew that my stories had any type of value. Wow, um, that blows me away hearing that because you know, you they y'all know me. I'm not much. I'm not. I don't like bragging about anything that you know that we do. I, I'll just. It's hard for me to celebrate anything because I'm always thinking, what's the next step? Or what's the next thing? You know, I need. What's the next project we need to get to? So. Um, hearing that and then hearing some of the other comments I've heard tonight, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's really eye-opening in a way. And it's kind of making me think, like, maybe I need to pause a little more. <laughs> you know, maybe I need to pause some and actually think about, you know, impact and the ways we are affecting people. Because I don't necessarily think of that all the time. And being around all these wonderful people and hearing, you know, the things they've had to tell me has made me really, like, decide maybe I need to change my mindset about that. Because, you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic. So um, hearing stuff like that, I don't know. It's just, it blows me away. Yeah. So my question is for the both of you, Shuri and Maurice. Like, when you see, not just that he's black, but that he's queer, and he's getting these opportunities, and he's, again, breaking down doors, and you see that throughout our industry, you know, how does that make you feel to see, you know, the people who are considered the lower of society, and then, and then in sometimes even within the black community to be less than because of their queerness. How does that make you feel to see that they're, they're being raised up and they're breaking down doors? I think the representation is critical. Um, my eldest is a trans, trans um, young person and the courage it takes just to be your true full self in this society that's always trying to, as you said, erase you and box you and place you. I, I don't even have words to describe that. And representation is critical, right? At a time when black trans people are being murdered um, at a rate that is <laughs> astonishing, right? Or un underemployed, right? That um, don't have access to the proper health care, even beyond regular, you know, most Americans don't have proper health care. But imagine being, you know, trans, right? Um, our laws aren't set up properly to even address the things that need to happen. Like all of that is just a whole nother realm. So to see an artist, to see a community of artists, to see their voices as your friend is, you know, you know, you know, thinking about the value of their own voice and, uh, and realizing that, hey, there's something important that I can share and that there are other people out here doing it. I mean, this is the time. It's, it's now more than ever. And there's so much of a, a backlash. They're trying, these forces are trying to pull us into these dark ages. And we're not going. We're not going. And we need institutions, right? We need institutions. So you need brave people who are willing to make some of their process transparent to be able to talk about the th things and tease out what it means to be about this work, you know, this work that James Baldwin, you know, talked about, to be able to talk about it and to be have, have an institution that they've created, that they have nurtured, that they have safeguarded so that others can be a part of it as well. 
all of that is is critical right now. You know, I don't I don't like right now. You get me. Hey, thank you. You get me in my in the in the top top of my feelings. <laughs> I have no I more small talk. You, you just get the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't even filter and edit it. All I can say is that it is important. It's critical. It is life changing and it is saving lives. Um, in ways I know during the pandemic, I was very very deeply depressed. Even as I was work, work, working, right? People like, ah, oh, Sheree, what do you do? I'm always working. <laughs> you know, it may not, you might not find out about it until a year or two, two years later, but I'm always working. But in the work, sometimes there's joy, but then sometimes there's this the sadness that you feel, right? Because it never seems like it's enough or it never seems to be all the things that you want to express, right? And I can just say, Going to other people's art, reading books, listening to the music. The music is key. Watching movies. Like the art, if it wasn't for art, I don't even know how I could have handled the the stress I had about loved ones, if they were going to be okay during the pandemic, um, what was really happening around us. All of that was so, you know, all of that came up to the surface. But it was the art that rooted me. It was the art that sent me just as it was when I was a child. It was the art that centered me today. And when you're creating this kind of um, revolutionary work, and revolutionary, not in a cliche, you know, T-shirt, you know, I'm wearing my T-shirt, I'm going to the coffee shop way. But I mean revolutionary because you're doing the hard work that don't nobody else want to do. You're doing the hard work that people are afraid to do because they think they're going to fail. You're willing to risk failure to do it. That's the revolutionary work that I'm talking about, you know, um, while you're living your own individual lives. To be able to do that, you know, to be that force that helps others and to have it acknowledged because that's all this. This is what it means because you've yep. been doing the work. Yep. Yep. We've been knowing, right? Yep. Yep. And if they hadn't won, we would have been talking shit afterwards right. or they'd been robbed again. Right. <laughs> but the fans said not today (laughs) not today right um they saw you they saw all of you and they came they came in force and i just i love that to know that that is a part of our fandom you understand you know to know that that's a part of our fandom in 2021 because we know what it was like Before it is not that we're at the promised land now, but this rocket right here, <laughs> made from the same quarry, the marble from the mm-hmm. National Monument, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually that it's the the dark one, right? <laughs> I feel like there's no coincidences mm-hmm. here. It's 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 so important. Many things that happen to come together to make. Oh this my God! Thing. I mean, the fact that you know you were hosting, Andrea was hosting. The fact that. Is this dark stone? The fact that you know, I almost didn't come. I almost did not come to this because I was annoyed and I was grumpy <laughs> about it. And I was like, I don't feel like dealing with these white people. <laughs> you know, and then um, LD bless her. She was like, Well, um, you got to come because I'm not about to be alone here. And you know, well, what she says, I do. So I was like, I'm gonna hop in there. I'm gonna catch this flight and I'll be out here. And you know, I mean, best decision ever. Like, oh, I, to see. The, the surprise I was shocked oh that, my like, god I mean I, 
and she was speechless. Yeah, she was in her chair. She was just in her chair shaking. And you know, I jump up and uh, Tochiani Bushi's behind me. He's like giving me a hug, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. But yeah, uh, it was it was amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and did you feel the did you feel the joy I in the room? Felt it. No, I felt it, and you know, it 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 made giving that speech easier because at first I was nervous. I had talked to them earlier in the day. I was like, listen to this and tell me if it's trash or not. I don't know if I know what I'm talking about. No, it's and, profound. You know, so when I got up there, it was easy because I was like, I feel the love. I felt it. Like, it was radiating. Uh, yeah. 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 It was an amazing experience. Once in a lifetime. I mean, wow. wow. <laughs> so, Maury, same question. Like, you know, to see Brent be black and queer and see the community that they're building that is really inclusive of everyone in the black community, you know, how does that affect you? And like, when you look at it. Yeah, cause I know, so I don't look at it in terms of like, I see the opportunities, but it's like the opportunities he's earned. It's the opportunities he's demanded when in doubt, it's the opportunities he's just had to flat out create. So I look at that, and then it just reminds me of what does it mean to center marginalized voices? And why do we center, why do we want to center those marginalized voices? And it kind of goes back to that idea of their, of the ability to see and, and to have that vision. Because from the spaces that we come from, our whole selves, that come, where, where we come from, like we know how we've been treated. We know how we've been locked out. So we know where we want to be and we know how we want to get there. And we know sometimes we got to build our own institutions in order to get where we want to be and to do what we want to do. And so, so it's that ability to be our full selves and be supported in our full selves and then come together with people who, who, and, and that's it. That, that whole ability to pull people together. I mean, let's not overlook that. Building community, not everyone can build community. That shit is hard. That is hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes some special ones to build community. Mm-hmm. And, and that starts with seeing people. And when you are used to being marginalized, you see from a very special vantage place. A very special vantage place. Which means that when you have the opportunities to build and the opportunities to create, you create and build in a different way. That's what it means. You know, Sheree, you said something about revolution and you brought up James Baldwin. And he, there's this quote by him that artists are here to disturb the peace, you know? And I remember reading that as 12 years old. And he was the first person who was queer who I ever was exposed to in my life. And it really profoundly affected me. And I, that quote stuck with me. And I love that you brought him up. Again, like, you know, we talked about Octavia Butler, but what do you think James Baldwin would also say? Because it's, you know, again, Bre- I'm going back to Brent's, Brent's speech. Again, about ancestors. You know, and just thinking about the struggles that he also went through as a black man, as a gay man, during a period of history where he was just you know, again, ridiculed and looked down upon and hated upon. And even some people in the uh, black community also because of his, you know, uh, queerness. You know, what do you think he would say? Oh, my God. I have, you got me sparking. First of all, James Baldwin was surrounded by family that loved him. And I don't know if people realize that. James Baldwin had people that loved him, Right. You know, even though going through all of that, I mean, he, I mean, I walked by the building that he bought for his family. 
right? In 1965, from the fruits of his labor, his writing, his truth telling on the page. So he was courageously telling the truth that people didn't want to hear. He was always disturbing the peace. If you go on YouTube, you're going to see videos of him vibing with, Nick, with what was it, uh, Nikki Giovanni? Mm -hmm. Just, they was getting it in. They had the conversation of the ages, right? Um, the, the feelings that he had about not being in America during the civil rights movement and the, and the, the way that he approached people when they tried to come to him with foolishness and he would just break it down. That truth-telling thing, I feel like James Baldwin, if his imagination took him towards the speculative, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. right? Who's to say he might not have been a supporter of Fire Magazine or Ooh. something like that? Who's to say what would a James Baldwin speculative fiction story look like, right? You mm. know, the disturbing the peace, I felt like that speech disturbed the spe peace because this nomination all of these nominations were disturbing the peace because the publication and the con was a representation of what should have been happening all along in the genre it was in the creation of the work and the community around the work and people vibing with it and wanted to support it around the world right it was an indictment against some of the oldest institutions in the genre that's supposed to be doing this work, and well-funded that are supposed to be doing this work all alone, right? How can you say you're about this life when you're not even doing these things? Mm -hmm. The toolkit has been created. The bar is raised, right? And there are no excuses left. Um, so that's the disturbing the peace. Your speech disturbed the peace. Because you could have just said, oh, thank you, Master. <laughs> thank you for this award. We're good. You know, we're so grateful. And not that you're not, but you also chose to be brave and tell a hard truth in the speech. Because you had the platform of the world at that moment for our community, right? right. For our fandom. Right. And you are a part of fandom. And these writers are a part of the canon that comes out right. of this work. Right. So... I feel like James Baldwin, if we think about the work, and he is actually not taught the way he should be taught. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can't say that his, he's a part of the, the syllabi in these schools, especially public schools, right? Right. Um, and it's a crime and a shame, as we say in Memphis. It's a crime and a shame. But we will raise his voice, right? I don't know what James Baldwin's are going to come out of the pages of a fire, Right. But the fact that the pages are, are here, that the opportunity is there, and now that you're looking to mentorship, because you're already reviewing, because that was a that was something that was lacking. Yeah, yeah. The death of the view, the reviews, yeah. right? Back on that. <laughs> you know, but it's important. It's an important yeah. part of it. Yep. You know, all of that is that is the, you know the kind of revolution, and it's pain in that. It's pain in it. Um. James Baldwin had to leave. He had to yeah. leave, right? Mm -hmm. He had to leave. But what he left us with, you know what I mean? Yeah. That we're still talking about it all, you know, all these, all these years later, we're still going back to the well to get nourished by it. That is my hope. I would just say this. 
um, the work that was published in Fire was work that I would never send anywhere else in the genre for a number of reasons. I had hope, like we all have hope when we send our work out there, no matter the market. I had hope that maybe someone reading it at Fire might understood what I was trying to do with that particular story. And the fact that we have to look around and say, where can I send stories like this and struggle and scratch our head and try to figure it out? That's a problem, right? That's a problem, right? Because this is supposed to be the place of innovation. This is supposed to be the place of endless imagination and experimentation and all the things, right? We're supposed to be the cutting edge ahead of it. But it's not happening at the level that it needs to be happening. But it's possible. It's possible in the publication. My only hope is that you all continue, that you stay healthy, that you exercise. Any demons that might come in that will have you become the gatekeepers mm. in a different kind of way. Yeah. Check no. yourselves over and over again for that. Because it's possible. We get to be the cool. Yeah. yeah. And then you then you can be reinscribing some yeah. of the same things in a different way. Stay fresh, stay open, stay cool like you've been yeah. doing, right? 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 Stay flowing and stay open to the reasons why you all created in the first place. I wish mm. Troy was here. Oh, me too. I wish, I wish, I wish the whole team I was wish, here. I wish, you know, I wouldn't be here without Troy. Because, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I, um, yeah, no, that, that's also true. Because, um, I wouldn't be here without Troy. Uh, when I was first baby in the weeds, I didn't know anything. And, um, Troy saw all my, like, boundless enthusiasm that had no direction. And um, he was like, "Come on, man, let me let me let me help you out." And you know, he uh, introduced me to P. Jilly Clark and uh, Devon Sanders. And, you know, they were they were just so welcoming and open with me. And um, you know, they never they because they could have told me you're doing too much. <laughs> like you need, you need to calm down. But um, no, they uh, only ever encouraged me and nurtured me. And uh, you know, they tilled that ground for us to exist and. Yeah, wouldn't be here without them. Wouldn't be here without y'all. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, this road—this is just a highway. This highway's always been here. We just, you know, we finally hopped off of the exit and we driving down it now. But, um, <laughs> oh, y'all balling! Y'all balling out of control right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, I—I'm still speechless about a lot of it. I'm still digesting it. It's so much. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna let Maurice get to uh, his part of the question because I know you had it going through. <laughs> Man, I know I was so caught up in the words I don't forgot the question. <laughs> it's it's when you think about James Baldwin and his journey, you know, what do you think he would make of seeing young people and what Faya has done and just breaking down doors? Yeah, so when I think of James Baldwin, I mean his biggest lesson to me was what does it mean to be unapologetically human? And that was the lesson for James Baldwin for me. And, and to bring that to your art, to bring that to your craft, to bring that to your community. I mean, I mean that's it, ain't it? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Oh. So, I man, I got not much to add to that because I'm just like, look, I'm still learning the lessons of James Baldwin and what that means to me and my art. 
you're still learning mm-hmm. the lessons of what that means to you and your art. So that's much learned. That's, that's, what, that's what it means for us to continue to grow, to continue to change, to continue to push ourselves forward as individuals, as a community, as a genre. To, to not settle for the status quo, but to keep pursuing that, that essential question of what does it mean to be unapologetically human? I don't think people in our in our publishing community always understand that writers from communities like ours aren't just doing art for art's sake all the time. You right. know what I mean? Right. You know, it is the world of the imagination and you are, you know, having fun and doing the hard work. But it's also you writing to survive. Like Ishmael Reese said, you know, writing is fighting, right? Mm-hmm. And that it is not just, oh, I'm going to write this story about this thing and its plot, da 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 da. But you're actually trying to pave a way for people to survive and live through the story and the art that you're creating. And some, not that every single story is like that, but the act of even carving out time to be able to do that from some of these communities where you are just struggling to be alive on the planet to remain you know what I mean mm-hmm. right. you know it's not always just a I gotta get this writing credit I gotta get this you know I gotta put this on my you know and have this book on my shelf because it's one of my contributors copies it's not just a contest or numbers games no, it is accolade. about that yeah it's not an accolade it's not just that you know what I mean right. it is creating a community through your art on the page, it's recording that community. It's being an archivist. It's being the eyes and the ears of the moment. Right. It's telling the stories like I hope your friend will do. That your friend might think no one wants to hear, but somebody, it's their necessary thing. You know what I mean? They need that story. And they may have never seen it before your friend chooses to share it. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. And when you're doing a magazine like this, you created a space for that. So. Thank you. Oh, yes. I have one more question. One more? All right. And, you know, when you look at what's happening in the world right now, and even when people are given facts, they don't want to believe anything because it doesn't fit with their narrative. So that tells us how powerful stories are. How do you think we can write ourselves to a better future mm. and this is open to anyone who wants to go first Maurice you can say you can tell him you want her knees to question and we got some <laughs> going this out with is, a bang <laughs> Will over here, I, I got questions still too that's the problem but I mean that, that's it I mean that's the work of, of what we do I mean when we look at Afrofuturism I mean I think of, you know, we're, yes, we're critiquing the present. And that, and that critique is rooted in the past. But the whole point is to imagine ourselves in the future. Our whole point is to create better paths. Or to, no, hang on, let me tell you that. Our, one of the roles we have is to create spaces to dream, to create spaces to imagine. Because we don't often take the time to do that. We don't, life doesn't often allow us the time and space and resources to do that. So what do we do? We are professional dreamers, mm. right? And that's what we do. So we, 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 
we imagine, we dream, we cast these visions for who we want to be and where we want to be. And that creates roadmaps for us. That creates a blueprint that we can work towards. I mean, I think that's the essential work of art, and that's an essential part of, of what we do, as, especially as black creators. Yeah, I mean, um, writing ourselves to a better future, uh, I think part of that is just, you know, writing honestly and truly to your experiences and, you know, not being afraid to say the hard things, even, you know, even when it might not be received so well. Because I think that's a, a lot of what we're dealing with now is that, you know, people are scared to tell each other what they need to hear. And um, I think that's what you got to do as a storyteller. You got to speak the truth and, um, you know, not be afraid to say it. Because we're, we're entering this time where I feel like, um, and it's kind of scary, but um, you see art being diluted and chopped up and, you know, being put into these neat little slots that, you know, that can uh, fit the marketing budget or the corporate uh, agenda or whatever. And, um, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to turn art into um, a hashtag, right? Like you want art to be an experience, um, and I think you got to write to your experiences if you're going to get there. So, um, yeah, uh, it's like Zora Neale Hurston said. Like if you don't, um, I'm paraphrasing because I'm gonna get it wrong. But um, if you don't speak on your pain, they'll kill you and say you like it. So you know, so um, we gotta we gotta speak on our pain. And I think that's how you get to a better future. You don't avoid the ugly parts of the present. So, yeah. I don't think I have anything to add to that. <laughs> you want to ask her any questions? Oh, sure. Or, oh, yeah, I'll ask. You can ask the show question. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be no, easy. No, you can ask the show question. This is easy. What just keeps you writing? What keeps you writing stories and building better worlds or channeling any type of frustration or worry or anxiety what just keeps you writing i think i'm infinitely curious and infinitely pissed <laughs> you know i'm like why why motherfuckers why and then <laughs> and i'm jotting in my book and you know and you know a character will begin to emerge from it or something will emerge I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. And so a lot of the writing comes out of the questions. I never get answers, but I, it helps me f have some comfort in the question that maybe something is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Marie? You're not going to make me answer this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, my answer is very similar because it's my community and my rage. Those, those are the two things so with my community I love my community I love my people and uh, I'm always imagining and always interrogating the idea of, of who we are and why we are you know so and I love that I love that I'm fueled by the dreams of my neighbors I'm fueled by the work of my neighbors I'm fueled by the imagination of my neighbors and, and that, that keeps me writing and then, but when I turn that lens inward I have a lot of rage at some of the things I've seen, the, the history of, 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 of how we are and how we've come to be. I mean, there's the history of injustices, the history of these uh, institutions of, uh, that have been created to keep us out. There's a lot of rage there. And I'm going to interrogate that rage. 
as a way to interrogate these systems because I'm angry for a reason and I'm gonna keep writing till I'm no longer angry so I may be up here for a minute well uh, for me I guess it's um I write for the people who don't get a chance to tell their stories because um it's a privilege to be able to tell your story um there are so many people in this world who get ground down by the forces of uh capitalism racism sexism so on and so forth and they never get a chance to tell their story. They die without ever getting their voice heard. So, you know, that's why I write. Because those people deserve to have some stories out there about them, even if they're not the ones to get a chance to tell them. So. I have one more thing to say. And you're going to look me directly in the yeah. eye, and you're going to ignore the rest of them. Right. I talk a lot on the podcast about raising to our higher self. And I need you to know that... Your night tonight of you winning raises everyone to their higher self. And the way that you've affected us has made us better as just human beings, let alone a better podcast. So you need to really recognize that because you constantly raise us to a higher self. And I really want you to recognize that. Okay? I'm, a, I'm digesting, I promise. I know I'm not good at that normally, but I'm taking it in. No, I can't thank everyone enough for for being here. It's it's three a.m., four a.m. I don't know. It's cold. We love it. It's called pizza. Uh, uh, at a haunted hotel. That explains why the fans are spinning and they're not on. Uh, but uh, you know, again, thank you so much, Sheree. Where where can we find you? Twitter, social media, where can we look up your writing? On Twitter, you can find me at Black Pot Mojo. Tomorrow I'll be posting my Hugo Award pictures of all these amazing finalists and winners. Um, you can find me on my website at ShereeReneeThomas.com. And you can find me at the um, FNSF Twitter account as well. <laughs> IG is Sheree Renee Thomas, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little tired uh IG person, I don't have that much on there. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. We probably have the info, but just in case. But just in case. Where, where can we find you? Facebook, Twitter, IG, my website. It's all Maurice Broadus. <laughs> keep it simple, keep it I, clean, I, right? I'm, a, I'm straight up branding. <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> Brand, we know where to find you. Obviously. And I, I hope it's more and more on the show. I uh, love everything about tonight. Congratulations again. Uh, this is going to be a base. Very special episode and special, but we're gonna let you get on with tonight so you can sleep. We can sleep and get out of the cold. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers by writers to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.